Listen, uh, we had such a praise get a hold of the house. Somebody's weave fell off in the front. Uh, you know you're praising when you lose your weave. Come on. Tell, tell, you can tell your friends uh, when they ask you what you did. You said, I went to a church where they praised so good somebody lost their weave. Come on. How many of you believe he's worthy? Come on, he, he's a weave-worthy God. Can I get a witness? All right, I'm going to preach for just a few minutes today, not very long, because I'm actually having pizza and chicken wings for lunch. So I'm going to talk to you for just a few minutes. Dads, we love you. Let's give our dads a great big God bless you. We celebrate you, Dad. I'm going to read three scriptures you can follow along on the screen out of 1 Samuel. I'm revolving this message around the life of David. It said, now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. 1 Samuel 25, 40, when the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. And when Bathsheba's mourning was over, 2 Samuel eleven twenty seven, 27, when Bathsheba's mourning was over, David sent and brought Bathsheba to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Here's three of David's six wives. We see here uh, Michael, we see here Abigail and Bathsheba. And we're going to learn a lot just from these three wives. I want to speak to you for a few minutes along these lines. Superman is in the house. Hallelujah. If you're, if you're a man and you love your family and you are faithful to your wife and you are good to your children, you are a superman. I want you to give all the supermen in the house a God bless you. Come on. Come on. Let's give the good dads. I'm not talking about the deadbeat dads. I'm talking about the good dads. Give the good dads a God bless you. Father, now we slip up our hands and we ask you for your anointing, Jesus. We thank you for what you're going to say today, for what you've already done. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord the ovation of the day. Amen. Be seated. I want to get to my text and just teach this for a few minutes and, and then I'm going to let you go because as I said, uh, the Lord has blessed and favored me because there is pizza and chicken wings coming my way. I'm not eating clean, I'm eating dirty. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, eating, I'm eating bad today. I had, uh, I had cucumbers and carrots and apples with uh, almond butter yesterday. But today, it's a new season, hallelujah. But anyway, I celebrate every dad in the house. I'm gonna to speak to you for a few minutes from the life of David. I've learned so much from David through the years, what to do and what not to do. David was a man who had six wives, six wives. Can you imagine six wives? I'm only going to teach from three of them today, and I believe I'm going to release a revelation in the house, but he had six. But I want to tell you, sir, David may have had six, but one is enough for you. Hallelujah. One is all I can handle. One is all I can afford. Praise the Lord. But anyway, David had six wives, but as I said, I want to I teach to you from these three wives that I read about. There, there was a wife named Michael, and Michael was the, the wife of his youth, and Abigail, the wife of his wilderness, and Bathsheba represented the wife of his greatest failure. Number one, Michael. Now, he was married. This was his first wife. 
And if you define her name, her name literally means who is like God or there is no one like God. Who could declare today that there is no one like God? <laughs> Well, I've got about 30 people. I said, who can declare today that there is no one like God? So, so here we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 15. David comes on the battlefield. And if you remember the story there in 1 Samuel 15 and 16, right along in there, David comes on the scene. And I've been right there in Israel. I've been right in that valley where David fought Goliath. And he comes on the scene and Goliath is running his mouth and making noise and defying the armies of Israel. But what upset David more was the fact that not only was he defying the armies of Israel, he was defying the God of Israel. And, and he was essentially uh, demeaning Jehovah. And that bothered David so greatly until here he is basically a pizza delivery boy come on he's delivering bread and cheese he's bringing he's bringing food to the battlefield he's not even a soldier but he begins to ask the question number one because he's offended number two because he knows that there might be a reward on the other side of the battle see make sure if you fight that there's something on the other side of the fight worth fighting for I've made up in my mind that I don't want to get involved in battles that don't have a reward on the other side. How many of you want to fight for something? You don't want to fight for nothing. So David said, what will be done for the man who defeats Goliath? And David is basically a teenager. And his brothers and his friends look at him and say, well, David, whoever defeats Goliath, they're going to receive an opportunity to live in the palace with the king. They're going to be forgiven of all their taxes, and they get to marry the king's daughter. They're going to get power, money, and they'll get, because they get married, they're going to get sex. Come on, somebody. Now, I know that you, you got really upset when I said that word, but it's the truth. That's what was going to happen. He was going to get power, money, and sex. So he decided, do I want to go? to these lambs and these sheep and these flocks that I've been watching or do I want power, money, and sex? Let's see. Sheep are power. Sheep are money. Sheep are a woman. Come on, somebody. Power, money, and sex. P-M-S. How many of you know that's done a lot of good men in? Can I get a witness? <laughs> but here he is and he decides that I will fight for what I want. I will fight for what is going to be mine. I will fight because there's a reward on the other side of this. And one of the rewards was this. He was able to marry Michael. There is no one like God. Now it's amazing to me that when David went out there to fight, we read the Bible and we find out all kind of stuff about Goliath. He's nine feet, nine inches tall. He weighed about 425 pounds. The head of his spear weighed 25 pounds. We find out all kind of things about Goliath, but we don't talk very much or find anything out about Michael. It looked like to me that if Saul really wanted to highlight what the reward was if his daughter was pretty like my daughter's. Come on. He would have put pictures all over the camp saying this is the reward. And it made me think about that. This woman was probably beautiful and it brings the question to bear. Why do we so often magnify the problem so much more than the answer? Why do we magnify the negative more than the positive? I know people who all they talk about is the devil and they never 
talk about Jesus. All they ever talk about is their sickness and they never talk about their healer. Do you know any negative people? All they seem to talk about is negative things and not positive things. But I stopped by to tell you quickly today, if you want to have hope and victory, you're going to have to begin to dwell on the answer and not the problem. You're going to have to get happy about the answer. Hear me in this room. David dealt with a lot of problems. Do you any way that me if you've dealt with problems? Come on. Some of you have some problems right now. I have problems. The truth be told, we all have problems. David dealt with perpetual problems. He was overlooked by his dad. His dad didn't believe in him. You remember when they were anointing for a king, his dad didn't even call him out of the field. Even the prophet of God that the Lord sent, the prophet thought his brothers would sure be the next king, not David. David was hated. He was ridiculed. He was ostracized. He was chased like a dog into the wilderness. He had so many issues in his life. But remember, he got married to my Michael. And Michael's name means there is no one like God. Let me tell you, there will be times when you have to go through trouble. There will be times when you face seasons you don't understand. There will be times when you got to fight, when you got to encounter battles, when you got to go through circumstances that you would rather not face. But let me tell you something. Remember this. Stay married to there is no one like God. There's not a trial that you're going to ever have that is bigger than God. There's not a problem, an issue, a circumstance. I want you to understand you will make it as long as you stay married to there is no one like God. Tell your neighbor there is no one like God. The real deal is there is no one like God. I know a lot of good people, but there is no one like God. I've met a lot of fine folk, but there is no one like God. I know a lot of great preachers, but there is no one like God. I know a lot of gifted people, but there is no one like God. I wish I could find somebody who believed it like I believe it. There is no one like God. Not only is there no one like God, there is nothing like God. There is nothing you can possess that could compare to God. There is no one like God. Tell your neighbor, there is nothing like God. Yeah, yeah, nothing like him. Not money, not houses, not land, not success, not achievements. There is no one like God, and there is nothing like God. When folk let you down, when your family lets you down, when plans go awry, in my own life, I have found out there is no one like God. God. God will be with me when nobody else will be with me. God will be faithful when nobody else can be found. You just got to stay married, sir, to there is no one like God. When times get tough, remember, there is no one like God. I want to tell you something. You can get married. You can have careers. You can have babies. You can have success. You can get cars and houses and businesses. But just remember, at the end of the day, there is no one like God. That's what kept David right. David saw success. David became the king. David lived in the palace, but on his best day and his worst day, he knew that there is no one like God. I wonder if there's anybody who's lived long enough to know there is no one like God. Give him praise if you believe there is no one like God. I don't care who he is. There is no one like God. I don't care what it is. There is nothing like God. One more time. Give the Lord praise if you believe there is no one like God. So here 
Michael is, she is the wife of his youth, but then Abigail, Abigail's name means my father is joy. And Abigail was the wife of his wilderness. Have you ever been in a wilderness? Okay, I'm gonna talk to the honest people. I had about five people say amen. Come on, wave at me if you've ever been in a wilderness. Wave at me if you've ever trans, uh, you, you, you've ever went through seasons and circumstances and situations where you found yourself in a wilderness. You, you knew you were anointed for better. You knew God's hand on you was for more. But here you are in a wilderness. David is anointed to be king, but he winds up in a wilderness. See, sometimes God will take you through a wilderness place. Sometimes God will take you through seasons you would rather not go through. And the enemy wants to make you think that it's for your detriment. But God wants you to know that it's for your preparation. Somebody's in a wilderness right now and God's just getting you ready. Anybody ready to get ready? Amen. Say, God, whatever you want to do. David, in this story in 1 Samuel 25, we read this story about Abigail and, and Nabal and David. David had sent some of his men at this time to ask uh, Nabal for some shearing sheep and some supplies and some food. And Nabal was a very wealthy man. Now, now, now David was a Renaissance man. David was an unusual type of man. He was a, he was a poet and a prophet. Come on. He, he, he was a warrior and a poet he would kill you and then write a song about it come on he would wear a do-rag I can see him come wearing camo come on I, I just have to see it the way I see it he would look like Rambo come on y'all that's what I see David he but yet he played a harp <laughs> come on somebody he was he was just such a dichotomy and and like I said he would kill you and then write a song about it here David is David has asked Nabal for help. And when you understand the story here, David had actually been good to Nabal. He had protected his men while their sheep and all of their flocks had, had actually grazed around David and his camps. He had looked out for them and took care of them. And then when he asked for help, Nabon goes, who is this man, David? I don't know him, and I don't know his daddy. And I'm not going to do anything for him. I'm not going to help that joke. I don't even know who he is. And, and listen, when it got back to David, David was mad as fire. And David said, I'm about to take care of Nabal. And if you define Nabal's name, Nabal's name means fool. Come on. And that fool was about to get killed. Can I get a witness? So David said, I'm going to kill this guy. And, and I can see him. You know, he puts on his do-rag. He puts on his camo. He, he grabs his harp and he goes strum. And he begins to sing. That fella Nabal is a very foolish man. Strum. I'm going to grab out his heart and watch it beat in my hand. Come on, somebody. He said, I'm going to deal with Nabal. And he goes to deal with him. He takes 400 men with him. And Abigail, my father is joy, hears about the fact that he's coming. And here's what she does. She, she's a smart woman. She prepares a giant picnic of 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheaves of roasted grain, five dressed sheep, a hundred cake of raisin, and two hundred pressed figs, and five buckets of chicken. Come on, I, that's the Jim Rayleigh translation because you got to have some fried chicken at a picnic. 
But the woman was so smart because she intercepted David. David's riding. He said, I'm going to kill Nabal. I'm going to take everything he's got. He did me so wrong. And here Abigail intercepts him, and, and her name means my father is joy. She intercepts him and stops him and said, hey. she said, David, boy, come on down here. You don't need to be messing with him. She starts rubbing his shoulders. Come on, giving him food. I don't know what it is, but my wife just gets prettier when she's cooking. I'm not trying to be a male chauvinist, but she was in the kitchen yesterday, and she got to cooking, and I said, you look good today. Hallelujah. And the more fattening the food, the better she looks. Hallelujah. But, but he, she, said, she said, David, you don't need to mess with him. You don't need to be messing with that old fool. You, 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 you don't need to bother with him. You got bigger fish to fry. You got more things to do. Don't, don't be bothering with that fool. Don't waste your time with that fool. You got bigger fish to fry. And I've come to tell somebody, you can't fight every fool in your life. You can't deal with every critic. You can't answer every critic. I'm criticized all the time. I get all kind of stuff on social media. I get people who send me emails and dog me up one side and down the other. And it used to bother me so bad. But now at 54, I praise God for the delete button and the hide button. Can I get a witness in the house? Because the truth is, you can talk about me all you want to, but I'm not going to waste my time being a fool fighter. Some of y'all been fighting foolish people in your life. You've been dealing with people who are not going to change anyway. You've been contending with people who their only purpose it seems like in life is to get on your last nerve and to drive you crazy and to keep you from the purpose that God has called you to but I stopped by to tell you you got bigger fish to fry tell your neighbor you got bigger fish to fry God's hand on your life is so prolific and so profound David was actually anointed to be king he didn't need to be messing with Nabal and I want to tell you that you can't get caught up in fighting foolish people and fighting foolish fights David made up in his mind because Abigail interceded my father is joy interceded and he said, you know what? I'm built for more than this. Can I talk to somebody in the room? Somebody is built for more. And you don't even realize it right now. You've been letting foolish issues and foolish problems and foolish situations pull you and pull you away from what God is calling you to be and everything God has for you. But is there anybody here today that said, I'm through fighting the fools. Come on. I'm through answering the critics. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to get and become everything God has called me to have and everything he's called me to become. Make a little noise if that's you. So Abigail, she, she, she calms David down and she runs back to the house and Nabal, the fool, the foolish man, he's partying like a rock star. He's there having him a big time. You read the story. He's in there partying like it's all good. And Abigail comes to him and says, you do know that there were 400 men coming this direction and they were going to kill you and they were being led by David and it scared Nabal the fool so bad that Nabal died right there on the spot. Well, well, well. David had heard about it and what had happened was, come on y'all, 
Maybe he got on his cell phone. I don't know smoke signals. I don't know what he did. But he calls her up and says, yo, baby, what's up? Come on, somebody. And he, and he found out that, 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 that this man, Nabal, had died. And he said, you want to get married? Would you like to marry me? And you know what? She said, well, just let me kick the dirt and the mud off of my sandals from, from Nabal's grave, and I'll be right there. And he married my father is joy. Now, he stayed married to my father is joy. And I want to tell you there will be days when you will fight fights. There will be days when you will deal with issues. There will be days when the enemy will come against you. There will be days when it don't go right. There will be days when you feel like crying. But at the end of the day, if you will stay married to my father is my joy. My joy is not purpose, is, is not contingent on how much money I have. My joy is not contingent on whether you're my friend or not my friend. My joy is not contingent on what I drive or what I live in. My joy is contingent upon this fact. I am connected to wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, bright morning star. Somebody give him praise if my father is my joy. Hallelujah. Now, now I'm trying to move quickly because I just want to I just want to get to that pizza and them chicken wings. Come on, somebody. No, I want you to understand. Never be surprised when the enemy comes against you in the wilderness and tries to steal your joy. But you will make it if you stay married to my father is joy. Not things, not money, not relationships, but the father is my joy. See, some of you right now, you've been in a difficult season. And here's the truth. You can curse God and die or you can bless God and live. How many of you are going to bless God and live? Make a little noise if you're going to bless God and live. So first he was married to Michael. There is no one like God. And then he married Abigail, whose name means my father is joy or my father is my joy. But then he connected to Bathsheba. Now, we know that, that Bathsheba, her name means the daughter of a vow. But if you know the story of Bathsheba, this was David's wife of his greatest failure. You remember the story, David winds up connecting with Bathsheba. She's actually married to another man. And we think that David is a young buck at this time, but most probably David was over 60 years old. He wasn't on the battlefield. He was in the bedroom. Oh, come on, somebody. He was in the bedroom when he should have been fighting. So, so he, I can see him looking out at Bathsheba, and Bathsheba's taking a bath. Bathsheba. Somebody say Bathsheba. She's taking a bath without her Sheba on. Come on, somebody. And he looks at her and he desires her. And he brings her and he lays with her. And he has an affair with her. And she actually gets pregnant. David has something called the jackass gene. Do you know anybody that has the jackass gene? Y'all don't sit there and get religious on me. Did you know people that mess up a good thing? Wave at me if you've ever known people that would mess it up. Didn't matter how good it was, they messed it up. Wave at me if you got people in your family just like that. Doesn't matter, they'll mess up a job, they'll mess up a marriage, they'll mess up an opportunity. Somebody's about to run all over this building because I'm preaching. But hear me in this room, David had this gene and he messed things up. I've made up in my mind, I don't want to mess it up. God's been good to me and I don't want to mess it up. God's given me a great family and I don't want to mess it up. God's given me wonderful children and I don't want to mess it up. But I'm so glad that if I do mess it up, that I serve a God that can clean it up. Hallelujah. And put my world back together again. 
Here David is, he got himself in a mess and he really needed forgiveness. Here's the question, have you ever really needed forgiveness? Come on, make a little noise if you've ever really needed forgiveness. It was at that moment that David realized the perplexity of his problem. If you study the story, you'll find out that his, his, his wife, or then his, his, the extramarital affair produced this pregnancy. And she found herself pregnant and she was with child and David wanted the child to live. But the child died. And he, David was in this critical moment in his life. But what did he do? He married this woman. He took her in. He did the right thing. He was ready to quit. He was ready to walk out. He was ready to say it was over. But he sat down and he penned the words. He said, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. It was at that critical moment that David wrote that text in Psalms 51. He said, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit away from me. I believe David was at a moment there where he realized he would be nothing without the Spirit of God in his life. In that moment, he said, take not thy Holy Spirit away from me. He said, take my houses, take my cattle, take my land, take my crown, take my kingdom. But if you leave me with anything, leave me with your Holy Spirit. Don't take that away from me. As long as I've got your presence, everything is going to be all right. Is there anybody that can say, Lord, just make sure I have your presence. Make sure I have what I need. Hear me, some of y'all are on the verge on the edge of giving up but God brought me here to tell you it's not over you can give up or you can get up but if you messed up it's time to get up it's not time to quit it's not time to give in it's time to say God is still for me he knew I was going to get messed up before I messed up and how many of you are glad for a God that will put your world back together again giving praise if that's you it's time to remember your vow. It's time to get on with life. Maybe you had a problem, but it's time to get on with life. God still has a plan. I don't know who I'm talking to. Somebody's been struggling, but God still has a plan. Somebody messed up, but God still has a plan. Stay married to your vow. The vow that you made to God. The vow. I want to stay married to the vow that I made to my wife. The vow to your children. The vow to your family. Hear me in this room. It's time to remember your vow. It's time to remember that God is on your side and you need to bury the past, marry the present and give birth to the future. Come on. You need to bury the past. Put the past behind you. Come on. Bring that up in the back. You need to bury the past. You need to marry the future and you, you need to marry the present and you need to give birth to the future. Listen, you may have good times and bad. You may have low times and high, but no matter what, stay married to their is no one like God. Stay married to Michael. Stay married to there is no one like God. You may have seasons of depression. You may have seasons when the enemy tries to steal your joy, but stay married to Abigail. Stay married to my father is my joy. And in those moments, even if you fail, even if you mess up, remember you are married to Bathsheba. Remember you are married to a vow and God is ready to forgive and he's ready to restore. Somebody stand up and give God a praise right now. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to do something wild. If you, if you believe there's no one like God, one, two, three, make a little noise in the room. 
Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, there is no one like God. There is no one like God. I don't care who it is. There is no one like God. I said I don't care who it is. There is no one like God. Can I get a witness here? There is no one like God. And then you need to remind yourself, my father is my joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not my money, not my job, not my woman, not my man, not my career. My father is my joy. I get joy when I think about it. I get joy when I think about where it brought me from. I get and because of that, I'm sticking with it. I'm staying married to the things of God. One, two, three, make a little noise if that's you. Push your neighbor and say, God ain't through with you. God ain't through with you. God ain't through with you. Who am I talking to? God ain't through with you and he's not through with your family. He's not through in your situation. He's not through in your life. He's not through in your finances. He's not through in your career. He's not through in your mind. God ain't through with you. Hallelujah. Now I'm really going to mess somebody up. But I feel a praise in this service. This entire service I felt fire in the house. Felt like somebody needed to praise him. We got to this place in the service. We started with a praise. In the middle, it got another big praise. But we're gonna end this service with a praise. We're gonna end this service with a shout. Because there is no one like God. Yeah. Now I'm gonna mess religious folk up. But you know I learned something. I used to go to my granny's house years ago and my granny watched the prices right. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Back when Bob Barker was the man on the prices right and I learned about praise. Don't say nothing to me. I learned about praise while I was watching the price is right. I remember Chuck Eubanks, or whatever his name was, the guy that used to be the announcer. I watched him one day. He said, Mary Johnson, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. And I would watch Mary, and she would dance all over the place. I would watch Mary for tripping over people trying to get out of her seat. I watched her run up and give Bob a kiss. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I would watch Mary lose her mind. She ain't won a color TV. She ain't won a refrigerator. She hadn't won a trip to the Bahamas. She hadn't won a brand new car. But she is shouting over the potential because she had her name called. in your pocket but when you come to a place where you praise him over the potential I dare somebody right now who's calling your name praise him over the potential why don't you do a preemptive strike 
over the potential. Sometimes you need to learn to praise God over the potential. Oh, I hear you, Holy Ghost. He said, some of you, some of you don't have the whole promise, but you got part of it. God said, praise me for the part you got. Come on. Maybe you don't have all your children saved, but praise him for the ones that are saved. Maybe you don't have all the money yet, but praise him for the money you got. Praise him for the opportunity you have. Praise him for the part. Let me wind this thing down. Happy Father's Day to all of my brothers. Superman is in the house. If you're a faithful man, you're a good man. You're a working man. Come on, thank God for all the working men. Let me tell you something, daughter. If he don't work, don't mess with him. No, Pastor Brady, I need me a man. I need me a man I can take care of. I'm looking for that man that I can take care of. Let me tell you something, baby. You don't need a man you can take care of. A real man will take care of you. A, a real man will bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan. Can I get a witness? Pastor Doan, she preached on Mother's Day. She preached on Wonder Woman. I figure on Father's Day, I preach on Superman. Because every Wonder Woman needs a Superman. I got you, girl. I got you. I got you. Stay in your seat, but I got you. I know you're trying to. 
in the Lord good. I'm finished now. Because I got peace in chicken wings. Last thing I want to show you is this. Now that I'm 54 years old, 54. I know, ain't that crazy? 54. God, how does that happen? Jesus. I've come to appreciate commitment. I understand things differently than I used to. I'm not impressed by the people that start with me. I'm impressed by the people that stay with me. Those are the people I value. And I remember, and I want to say this respectfully, and then we're going to let the Lord have his way. But I've, I've decided at 54, I want to finish strong. I want to finish loving my wife, loving my kids. Pray for me. Just pray for me. I, I don't want to have scandals in my life. I, I don't want women on the side. Come on. I don't, I don't have none. I told y'all don't look play that because she'd shoot me. She would and raise me from the dead and shoot me again just to watch me die. She would do that. But as I've gotten older, I want to stay married to my vows. I want to, I want my children, when I go out, I want them. I want my daughters say he was a good man my son to say that's what I hope I'm not, that's what I hope pray for me because I would never be arrogant enough to say things would never happen to me but I, I want to stay married to my vow and I pray every day for that and people who know me know on a personal level know how much my family means to me and I often wondered where I got this from because my family was not real stable growing up though my dad was a preacher and I've never shared this publicly until this morning. I've never shared it with the church before. But my dad passed in 2005. He was everything to me. Everything. I grew up in a really rough situation. My mother battled heavy addictive drugs. She was often detached. And that, that addiction and other things in her life brought about behavior that was harsh and rough and could be very brutal and incredibly abusive to my sister and I. And I lived in this dichotomy of church on Sunday and hell on Monday. And every morning, my dad would come into my bedroom when I was a little boy and he would beat on the side of the wall and he woke me up to get ready for school I never saw my mother maybe I got breakfast most of the time not I'd get my clothes on and then I would go and wake my dad up first grade, second grade, third grade and he would take me to school he picked me up he took care of me. He was my dad and my mom. And I don't want to be disrespectful to my mother because, you know, the Bible said, honor your 
father and mother that your days might be long, so I don't want to die on nobody. Come on, sir. So I, I try to honor my parents because that's what the Bible expects of me. But my dad, when he passed in 2005, everything in my world passed because he was such a good, good father to me. And right before he passed, I remember that he started talking to me because of mother's addiction issues and all the issues that she dealt with emotionally. Their marriage, he was never, could be good enough for mom in so many ways. And I love my mom, but I'm just speaking the truth. And I'm only sharing, I'm leaving you a glimpse into my process so you can find hope. And my dad was dying with cancer and he began to talk to me. He said, son, you know, when I was at these different churches, I had opportunities to step out on your mom. I had opportunities. And he started naming these different women who had come to him in these ministries and offered themselves to him in relationship. He talked about four different churches. And the last one was in Jacksonville. My mom's very best friend came to my dad and said, listen, I know that Dorothy struggles and I'd like to take care of you. I'd like to, to be there for you intimately. Now, forgive me for being the human. Forgive me for just being a man for a moment. because I live this experience every day. So forgive me for saying what I, what I said. I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, why didn't you? Why didn't you step out and find some peace? Why didn't you step out and be appreciated? Why didn't you? I remember my dad looked at me he had oxygen in his nose. He was living his last days here on earth. And he looked at me right in the eyes. And he said, son, because I promised. I promised. I stood at that altar, son. And I promised. It didn't matter what she did. It mattered what I did. And I'm telling you, when I walked out of that room, when I walked in there, my dad was 5'11". When I walked out, he was 15 feet tall. And I said, if he can stay married to the vow, he stuck with my mom through thick and thin. And he was a good father. Let me tell you something. Look at me now. If the vow is broken, it won't be because the father broke it. It'll be because you broke it. Because his promises are yes and amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in this room and you'd say, Pastor Rayleigh, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. There's issues that keep me from him. There's sin in my life. 
But I know there is no one like God. I know, Pastor Rayleigh, that my father has got to be joy. And I want to marry myself to a vow to him. Pastor Rayleigh, there's things that keep me from him. And since you're praying anyway, pray for me. I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. When I count to three, raise your hand. See, Pastor, since you're praying, pray for me. One, slip up your hand right now. Pastor, remember me. I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Two, since you're going to pray for somebody, Pastor, pray for me. Three, slip that hand up. Hold it up. There's things I ought to get under the blood today. There's things I need to get right with the Lord today, Pastor. When you pray, pray for me. Hold that hand up. I'm going to lend you five more seconds. Five. Hands in every section are being raised. Four. Remember me, Pastor Rayleigh. Three. If you're going to pray, pray for me. Two. There's things that have kept me from him, Pastor, and I don't want to be kept from him one. Hold that hand up. Don't put it back down. If you raise it up, keep it up. Now, if somebody next to you has their hand up, I want you to move back in your seat, and I want you to give them the opportunity to make this step of faith. I want everybody to raise your hand. I want you to come this way right now because it's a new season going to open up in your life. Come on. Come from all the way in the back. Come from the balcony. Come from across this room. Come on, begin to move right now. If you raised your hand and you're really, 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 really ready, can we give the Lord a praise as people come? Can we give the Lord a praise? Can we praise the Lord? Oh, here they come, here they come. waiting on you I'm waiting on you it's time for a new beginning come on honey I see you I'll wait on you oh that's it that's it come on bring it waiting on you to come I don't mind waiting I don't mind waiting on you come on you're worth the wait <laughs> If you need to come, you're worth the wait, you're worth the wait. That's it, that's it, son. Hallelujah. I want everybody in the house, I want you to take your hand and place it on your heart right now. You guys just scooch up here. We've had probably 60 people, 50 to 60 people today already just surrender their hearts, their lives, their past, and their future to the Lord. Everybody in this room, pray this prayer after me. Pray, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I'm coming to you now. And I'm admitting I need help. I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. Forgive me for all my sins. Take my heart. Wash it clean in your precious blood. Renew my life. Renew my mind. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. You are my joy. And I marry myself. I commit myself to this vow. I am yours. You are mine. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Here's what I want you folks that prayed. I want to meet you right over here. I want everybody to turn and go this way. I'm going to meet you right over here in the chapel. Follow Pastor Christian out. We have people all around you that are going to go. But would you do that for me? Would you do me that great favor? 
Hallelujah. Give these folks a God bless you. Give them a hand. I want everybody else to take your hand and place it on your neighbor's shoulder. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Come on, are you glad you came to church today? All right, I love you. If you're visiting with us, I want to meet you in the back. Pastor, Pastor uh, Judah is going to come, and he's going to close us out. If you're visiting, meet me in the back. I love you. How many of you fathers are here, and you're going to have a celebration? Go and eat a lot, and make sure it's fattening. Hallelujah. Come on. All righty, his pastor is heading back and his team is heading back. I just want to remind you just of a couple things. First off, our groups start this week. If you have not signed up for a group, I want to encourage you, go to the back, find a place to connect. It is so, so important. The next thing is next week, I want to just let you guys know that we will be taking up a special offering for our 4th of July outreach that we're going to be doing. So we are not doing a first Wednesday, we're actually doing a first Tuesday, and what that Tuesday is going to allow us to do is allow us to reach out into our community. And how many of you know our community needs the love of this church? It needs the love of Christians. And so next week, we're gonna give you an opportunity to sow in fertile soil. And so just make sure you come prepared for that. But can we all just, bow our heads as we just pray. God, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you, God, for anointing our pastor to give such an amazing word. And God, I pray, Lord, that we will take that word and God, Lord, we will apply it. God, Lord, we will stick to the vows that we have committed to. God, I pray, Lord, that every father in this house will, God, take that word and God, Lord, will apply it to their life and to their family. God, I pray, Lord, that every father will feel loved and will feel the love that this house has for them. God, I thank you that we stand in a place with such amazing men. Lord, we love and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You guys are released. There are some donuts in the foyer. Please help yourself. You are perfect.